0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Passing Shot, your tennis catch-up podcast. This week I'll be giving you your ultimate preview to Wimbledon with analysis of the men's and women's singles draws, as well as rounding up all of this week's action so far at Eastbourne, Antalya, and Roehampton qualifying. All of this whilst Joel swanned off to Glastonbury. Let's play. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to The Passing Shot. We are days away from the start of Wimbledon and things are hotting up. It's just me, Kim, here today as Joel is otherwise occupied camping out in the middle of a field somewhere in the UK. And no, that is not the Wimbledon queue where I intend to be this weekend, but Glastonbury. We just absolutely love camping here at The Passing Shot. Uh, So anyway, on with the show. Let's discuss the draws, hot off the press at Preview Wimbledon 2019. So let's begin with the women. I've been pretty busy today getting ready to fly back to London for Wimbledon, but I've had a brief moment to have a look at the draws. And I think let's begin with the women. So I think the main thing to come out of the draw today was the fact that the top quarter of the women's draw is absolutely loaded. So we've got Ash Barty, new world number one, Roland Garros champion, on an incredible run what with having won Roland Garros and Birmingham. She pulled out of Eastbourne, which is obviously no surprise. She needs to save herself. uh, But she's seeded at number one, first time at a slam. And she is in, well, I wouldn't say the quarter of death, because I think with the women's draw, you know, anything can kind of happen, uh, more so in the men's. But in her quarter, she has Garbina Muguruza, which, uh, you know, she won Wimbledon two years ago. We've got Serena Williams. I mean, that kind of goes without saying, although we're not really sure on Serena's form. She's barely played all year. Uh, she's got a knee injury, hasn't played a match on grass coming into Wimbledon. So kind of a lot of questions remain for Serena and um, what she's going to do this, this fortnight. Also got Maria Sharapova, five-time Grand Slam champion. Uh, i mean it's been a long long time since she won Wimbledon but you know stranger things have happened uh we've got angelique kerber you know defending champion she's also in this quarter and actually it would be a barty um kerber quarter final um according to the projected quarters um and then we've also got in that quarter belinda bencic she is uh inform, you know, final of um Mallorca. We've also got Donna Vekic, finalist at Nottingham. We've got Alison Riesk who has won two titles on grass already coming into the tournament. And um, we've also got Yulia Gerges, again another finalist uh of the recent Birmingham tournament. So that is the quarter to kind of I think get most excited about at the women's uh side of the side of proceedings. Um I mean We've got so many great matchups if the seedings work out to plan. We could have Angelique Kerber, Serena Williams in round four. We could have Kerber Sharapova round three, although they did recently play in uh, Mallorca and Kerber won that quite easily. Um, as I said, Kerber, Barty, quarter final. Serena Williams, though, she may not even get to meet Kerber. She's got Yulia Gerges potentially in the third round. So, I mean, really tough draw for a lot of the top women. But if they do come through, whoever does, they're going to really have proved their worth, perhaps, you know, with with the num- the calibre of names that they've had to play. Um, let's look at the other bit of the draw. So we've got Kiki Burton's heading up the uh, bottom half of the top half. <laughs> she would play Kv- uh, Petra Kvitova in the quarterfinal. Um, not entirely sure if Kvitova still fully intends to play. I know she's been working really hard to make it into the tournament. Um, she did pull out of Roland Garros with that arm injury. So fingers crossed she will actually be there. Um, you know, she's a two-time former champion, so she would be an absolute delight to see again play at Wimbledon. Um, interestingly, Kvitova, she plays Onze Yabor in the first round, who Onze Yabor is a Tunisian player. Maybe people haven't really heard of her. She's not a household name, but she did reach the semi-finals at Eastbourne. Um and has just pulled out of her semi-final with Kerber today. Um, she had a nasty kind of fall on her ankle in the quarterfinal but managed to come through it. So I think, you know, obviously a wise decision, saving herself for Wimbledon. But, you know, it remains to be seen if she's going to even be in the draw. So Yabur Kvitova may not even happen, but I think that is quite an intriguing matchup. up um, You know, Kvitova coming in with not having played and inform Yabur, who knows, what might happen? Um, let's go on to the bottom half of the draw. Alina Svitolina against uh, Karolina Pliskova. That is the projected quarterfinal. Um, and we've also then got Simona Halep versus Naomi Osaka as the other projected quarterfinal. Um, as we know, and a lot of the women's side of the draws, a lot of the top seeds don't really make it to the latter stages. You know, we saw that at Roland Garros um, with unseeded players coming through. So. These are, by all means, not definitive quarterfinal lineups. However, there are some other interesting matches. I think, especially in the bottom half of the draw, I've been looking through. And the ones that are intriguing me, Su Wei Shui, the 28th seed. She plays Yelena Ostapenko in the first round. So Su Wei Shui is a very intriguing player. She plays so differently to a lot of people. And she's been known to provide some upsets in her time and Ostapenko reached the semi-finals here last year you know she's a former grand slam champion and actually you know she was kind of playing herself into a bit of form um she did really well at at uh, Birmingham she beat Joe Conter. um she did actually retire from her match in Eastbourne i believe that may just be uh, a precaution again but i'm kind of intrigued to see to see that one play out i think Ostapenko may well win that and and could go co quite deep in the tournament and we've also got Victoria Azarenka so I would say she's one of the passing shots favorites we do like a bit of of Vika and we would love to see her kind of making it deep in a grand slam again she's got Elise Cornet in the first round who is you know can be quite a fiery player to watch so I'm quite looking forward to that one and then also we have got Naomi Osaka against Yulia Putintseva and you know, Naomi Osaka, she's been recently dethroned as the world number one. She's now world number two. And she actually lost to Yulia Putintseva in Birmingham. So she's gunning for the revenge, I'm sure. But I'm also thinking, well, you know, Osaka, could she possibly go out in the first round? You know, she didn't even go to a press conference after her match in Birmingham. I'm not sure where her head's at right now. So I, you know, a bit worried about that one for any Osaka fans. However, you know, we've seen it before from Osaka in a slam. She can be an entirely different uh, player. So that one is, is is intriguing me um quite a lot. And we've also potentially then got a second round match with the winner of that against uh, Iga Swiatek, last year's junior Wimbledon champion. Sophia Kennan is also in that little segment of the draw. She recently won Mallorca. So, and we've got Caroline Garcia as well. Who recently won? Not again. So, so many players potentially in form um, now. Hot off everyone's kind of lips, um, as a result of the draw, is the uh, maybe the highlight first round match on the women's side of the draw. So, we've got Venus Williams, um, multiple Wimbledon champion, against Coco Golf. I think I'm saying that name right. Please forgive me if I'm not. <laughs> um, so Coco Golf, um, or Golf qualified for Wimbledon. She's only 15 years old and, um, she is such an impressive player to watch. I'm really excited for this matchup. She is actually, um, well, the youngest player to compete in the Wimbledon main draw since I believe Laura Robson back in 2009. Um, and golf, you know, she kind of steamrolled her way through through the Wimbledon qualifying, uh, she beat the number one seed, bolsover who recently made the Roland Garros, um, was it the fourth round I think she made? Um, she won the French Open Juniors last year. This is her main draw, uh, singles debut at Wimbledon, of course. Um, so I think that is really a fantastic matchup against Venus Williams. I think everyone was kind of intrigued to see what golf was going to do anyway. But the fact that she has Venus makes it kind of all the more exciting. So I believe that that one has got to be on, well, I mean, it's got to be on either central or number one court, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, and then in terms of the other matchups, one thing I did forget to mention, Donna Vekic against Alison Riesk, first round. Um, as I said, they're both in the top segment with Ash Barty. Um, so this match is kind of potentially two grass-court specialists. Vekic has had... Maybe some of her best results on the grass, and Alison Riesk certainly has. Um so I'm really quite looking forward to that one. I project I predict that Donna Vekic will come through, but it certainly won't be won't be an easy match. Um, let's have a look at the British side of things. So I think a fairly decent draw for the British women. I think a lot of the matches are winnable. We've got Harriet Dart playing Christina McHale, Katie Swan against Laura Siegmund, Joe Conter against Anna Bogdan. Um, and then Heather Watson against Katie McNally. Um, so I think, you know, I don't pr- predict that all of our British women are going to win, but I think we might be able to get a couple of good wins there, um, especially for Conta. Um, just a note on Katie McNally. She is a 17 year old American and she had some good form coming in. Um, she did quite well at Surbiton, I believe. So that one is going to be um, quite intriguing. I'm more of, To see how Katie McNally plays uh, from from that perspective. So yeah, women's draw lots to uh, lots to look forward to. Uh, Angelique Kerber will be opening up on Tuesday as the defending champion, and uh, yeah, I may be seeing that match because I'm trying to uh, to plan to be there on the Tuesday. Uh, So I think that one may be something I can report back live from. Anyway. Onto the men. So again, uh, we've had a bit of controversy regarding the men's draw even before the draw was made. So there's been, uh, you know, a bit of a hoo-ha on Twitter, perhaps, about the fact that Roger and Rafa were swapped around in the seeding. So Wimbledon, they do this kind of very different seeding cal- calculations for the men. And that is based on kind of their two years of grass court form. Um, so it meant that Roger Federer just picked Rafa in the amount of points that he got, according to the Wimbledon seeding. So Roger becomes the number two seed, Rafa falls down to number three. Um, I mean, I personally don't think it makes too much difference, because if you're going to win the tournament, you've got to beat the top players and you kind of have to just beat who's whoever's in front of you on, on that particular day. And especially if you're in the top four, you know, you're going to have to play maybe Federer and Djokovic to win the title anyway. So from Rafa's perspective, I'm, I don't think it's like a massive thing. But I know that, you know, even Tony Nadal and a lot of pundits have come out and said, oh, this is, this is a bit ridiculous. Um, You know, Rafa's leading the race. You know, he's just won his 12th Roland Garros, which I know is on clay. Um, You know, he did better than Federer at this tournament last year. But, I mean, hey, I'm sure it was, I'm sure, you know, they're just going to get on with it when it comes to the tournament starting. Uh, It does mean that Roger and Rafa fans will be uh, in the same half, but they're in the same half of the draw. So Roger and Rafa fans will be camping out together, um, which is going to be quite problematic potentially because there's only 500 centre court tickets to go around for um, happy campers in the queue. So any Roger and Rafa fans may have to fight it out for those last few tickets. So um, I'm planning personally to try and get to the queue a bit earlier than normal as a result. Um, Other interesting changes as a result of the seeding is that Kevin Anderson goes up to fourth seed. Um, He would have been the eighth seed I believe. So that's quite a big difference. Um, Obviously he was last year's finalist. So uh, but hasn't really played since, I think, Miami, apart from his appearance at Queen. So he's potentially not in the best of form. Whether he would repeat his final performance from last year I think is unlikely. But, you know, he is rewarded because of last year with a with a, a boost of four seeding positions. Anyway, I digress. Let's go back to the draw in question. So let's begin kind of with looking at maybe how the last 16 would play out, the La or the quarterfinals. So we would have um, Djokovic against Monfis, Medvedev-Sitsipas, Kevin Anderson against Milos Raonic, Karen Hatchinov versus Alex Zverev, Dominic Team versus Fognini, Cilic against Nadal, Isner, Nishikori, Borna Koric versus Federa. So I think personally all of those matchups are pretty tasty. Uh, quarterfinals, well, it would be Novak against uh, Tsitsipas. So that one, I think, is potentially going to be a fantastic match. Kevin Anderson against Verov. Well, um, I mean, that may not even happen. We do have other other players of grass court notoriety in there, including former finalist Milos Rajonic. So we will see about that one. And then we've got Dominic Team. He would be playing Rafa. So a repeat of the Roland Garros final, potentially. And then Roger Federer against Nishikori. So... I think Federer's got to fairly well. If the seedings go to plan, I think Federer might do quite well in getting to the semis without too much hassle. But let's have a look. I mean, I think in terms of which of the top seeds has the toughest draw, I think without a doubt, you would have to say Rafael Nadal because he has been given a potential second round matchup with Nick Kyrgios, who is unseeded and, you know, that was the one name that was on everyone's lips for who they don't want to play and who's going to be a dangerous floater. So if we look at Rafa's path to uh, potentially winning, um, he's got Sugita in the first round and then Nick Kyrgios, second round, Denis Shapovalov, third round, Marin Cilic, fourth round, Dominic team quarterfinal, Federer and then Djokovic. So, I mean, that is kind of a very tasty, but difficult draw. Um, not really sure what to expect of Rafa going into the grass. He's had quite a lot of bad results over the the last few years. And for me, the semi-final last year was uh, a, a very pleasant surprise. I didn't really have high expectations. So I'm not really sure what to expect as a Rafa fan myself. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Rafa's first round opponent, Sagita, had beaten Lucas Russell in uh, the final round of Wimbledon qualifying. So it could have perhaps been a a russell Rafa repeat. And uh, we all know what happened the last time they played at Wimbledon. As for the defending champion, who will be opening up on Monday, uh, Novak's draw. He's got quite an interesting first round against uh, Philip Kohlschreiber. So always a bit of a danger man on his day. He's he's previously, uh, I believe he's won Haller in the past. He's got Good form on grass, has beaten Federer on grass. So perhaps not someone you would want to meet in the first round, but I do think Novak will come through without too much of a problem. Malik Jaziri, one of Joel's favourites. He uh, is Novak's second round opponent. Then he's got a fellow Serb, Dusan Lajovic. Then Gael Monfils, who we know is in a bit more of a form, you know, after Roland Garros. And then Sitsubas, Anderson and Federer. As for Roger's draw... Well, uh, he's got Lloyd Harris of South Africa in the first round. Possible matchup: up Jay Clark in the second round. So any British fans out there, that will be, well, one that I think we're all hoping to see. Uh, Luca Pui, third round, Borna Corritch, fourth round, Nishikori, and then Rafa and Novak. So, I mean, out of the top, the big three and their draws, I do think Rafa's got the toughest. And I think Novak and Federer are about on a par with those. Um Personally, I see Novak and Roger making it through. I think that it's going to be a final with the top two seeds. Um, I think, you know, no one barring Roger, Rafa, Andy and Novak have won Wimbledon a long, long time. So I think it's unlikely to change this year. But hey, famous last words. Uh, my original prediction at the start of the year was Del Potro, just purely because I think, you know, he really deserves to get another slam. But we all know he's uh, sadly not going to be at Wimbledon as a result of the injury he suffered at Queens. Anyway, let's look in a bit more in depth at the men's draw. Got some tasty matchups. So top half, Kevin Anderson opens against Pierre-Hugues Herbert. So Andy Murray's doubles partner for this tournament, but also um, he's you know trying to focus more on his singles and has been known to have some very good results uh, in singles. So I think that one, that one you know i think that could be an upset on the cards i think that could go five sets i think p h h could certainly win that one uh also got Stan Wawrinka against Ruben Bemelmans and um, Bemelmans actually he has set a record by qualifying for the sixth time at wimbledon um he's 23 and 4 in wimbledon qualifying um he's qualified for the last four years straight so um <laughs> If you're going to Wimbledon qualifying and putting your money on someone, then Ruben Bemelmans is a good bet. Um, I mean, I do expect Stan to come through that, but, you know, qualifiers are dangerous. You know, they're in good form. They've won, you know, three matches already. And, uh, you know, sometimes they really, you know, it's better to face just someone much lower ranked than a, than a qualifier in the draw. We've also got uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas playing Fabiano, Fabiano I think has just lost in the Eastbourne semi-finals to Sam Querrey as I'm recording this it's kind of going on so um, that'll be an interesting one with Querrey you know uh, sorry not Querrey with Fabiano perhaps in a bit of form and then Feliciano Lopez recent Queens champion uh, will his dream on grass continue he plays Marcus Giron of the USA. Uh, possibly plays Karen Hatchinoff in the second round. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what Feli can do. Can he build on what he did at Queens and continue with his good form? You know, he's been given a wild card into this tournament. And I think I think he's made he has set the open era record for the most consecutive slams played. I did see a statistic. Uh, I think he's on a run of 70. So um I mean, I'm just glad he got that wild card because we didn't want that streak to end. Um so yeah, I really hope Feli can do well. Um I would love to see his good form continue. As for the bottom half, maybe some interesting matchups that I picked out from the draw. Dominic team against Sam Query. You know, Query is into the Eastbourne final, so showing some good form. Um I know perhaps reaching the final of the tournament being played the week before is perhaps less than ideal, you know, in terms of tiredness perhaps players coming to Wimbledon being quite burnt out. But, um, you know, I think that one could be quite a a, a tasty match. I keep saying the word tasty uh, <laughs> this episode, but um, I'm just thinking of the Wimbledon strawberries already and, and the cream, which I intend to, to eat a lot of. Um, we've also got Bernard Tomic against Joe Wilfred Songer. Um, whether Tomic is actually going to finish that match is another matter. But, I mean, that's certainly two names that people will be familiar with. Um, and then we have, you know, Kyrgios against Jordan Thompson first round. Jordan Thompson is in pretty good form. Um, he's just actually, I believe he's just, he's in the Antalya semifinals. Uh, he's just lost to uh, Kekmanovic. So um, that actually might have perhaps worked in his favour. I mean, I'm sure he would have loved to reach the final, but in terms of perhaps not tiring himself out too much for a matchup with Kyrios. Um, But I'm sure those two know each other very well anyway. And the winner of that will play Rafa. So they'll be both uh, gunning for that chance. Uh, Taylor Fritz, he's in the Eastbourne semi-final. He's playing Carl Edmund later today, as I'm recording this. He will play Thomas Burditch in the first round of Wimbledon. So former finalist. That one for me is very interesting. And then we've got wildcard Marcus Baghdatis. So that caused some controversy with Baghdad being given a wild card. Um, he has, I think, announced that he will be retiring after the tournament, so that gives some context to that decision, perhaps makes it much more understandable. Um, however, he'll be playing Jan-Leonard Struth, who um, did very well at Roland Garros. So, again, that's um, that could draw, I think, quite a few people uh, to a grounds court or a court 18. I think that has written all over it myself. Um and then we've also got uh, Felix auger Seem. He is playing Vasek Pospisil in the first round, so an all-Canadian matchup. And Pospisil is back after several months out from, I think it was a back injury that he had. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I mean, I expect FAA to come through that quite comfortably. And then it could be Grigor Dimitrov in the second round and possibly Gail Monvice in the third round. So... I think for maybe entertainment value, uh, FAA will be providing that in spades. And then he actually could play Novak in the fourth round. So let's hope FAA actually wins a main draw Grand Slam match for the first time. As for the men, the British men, um, we've got a number of men in the draw, which is great. So any Brits out there, Kyle Edmund, he's playing Jaime Munar of Spain. And, um, so I think that's certainly winnable for Kyle. Kyle is doing well at Eastbourne this week, reached the semi-finals, playing uh, Taylor Fritz in a, in a moment. <laughs> uh, Cam Norrie plays Dennis Isterman. So Dennis, he's one of my, my personal favorites, but I do expect Cam to come through that one. Dan Evans against Federico Delbonis. So Dan is in pretty good form in the grass, picked up two challenger titles. So I've got good, good vibes for Dan Evans. So fingers crossed. Jay Clark plays Noah Rubin and potential second round against Roger Federer for the winner of that one. James Ward, also in fairly good form, uh you know, lost a tight match with eventual finalist at Queen's, Jill Simon, and uh, he managed to qualify for Eastbourne. He's going to be playing Basilashvili And we've got Paul Jubb, so the NCAA champion of this year. Again, uh, he's been winning some matches in uh, challenger level and also qualified for Eastbourne. And he'll be playing Zhao Souser. So personally, I would like to see that. Um, Not sure if I'm going to be able to. I'm trying to get into Wimbledon for Tuesday, but I'd like to personally see a bit of Paul Jubb if I can. So moving on to the doubles, um let's just have a quick look at those draws so they've also been made today we we still await the mixed doubles which i think the draw is made next wednesday so we're still none the wiser on andy murray's mixed doubles partner uh, a lot of people are talking about bethany matic sands i'm personally still hoping for azarenka a lot of people hoping for venus williams so it remains to be seen um but yeah let's have a look at the men's doubles. so we, we do have andy murray in action with Pierre-Hugues Herbert, um, I mean, he might potentially meet his brother, Jamie Murray, in the third round. Jamie's playing with uh, Neil Skupski. It's their first slam as a pair. And uh, we've also got a, a whole host of Brits in action in the doubles, actually, which really does show the strength and depth of of British tennis in terms of the doubles, especially. So we've got Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram. Um, they reached the final at Queens and a very established partnership with some good form this year. So for me, I think they're. I'm kind of tipping them to be the British pair that go the furthest. Um, and I would quite like to see some of them in uh, to see them in action myself. Um, they actually will be. Um, let's see who are they playing in the first round? I think they've got an all right draw, so I do expect them to go quite far. Yeah, they've got Jaziri, again, Joel's favourite, and Radu Albert, first round. But we've also got oh, we've got Ken Skupski playing uh, with John Patrick Smith, Jay Clark and James Ward together. Liam Brody's got Clayton, Dan Evans, Lloyd Glasspool, Jack Draper and Paul Jubb. They were given a wild card. They'll open against the number two seeds, Kabal and Farah, who have actually won the Eastbourne doubles title today. So they've got a pretty difficult uh, matchup. up. Uh, and we've got Luke Bambridge, Johnny O'Mara in the draw. Again, they've had some really good results this season. They might be playing uh, potentially Leighton Hewitt and Jordan Thompson in the second round. So Leighton Hewitt has been given a uh, wild card again for this this tournament. Never retiring Leighton Hewitt. Um, but yeah, Bambridge and O'Mara actually have the third seeds in the first round. So they've got to get that, that one done first. And then Dom playing with uh, his partner, Krejcik. They'll actually open against Cam Norrie, playing with Munar. So a whole host of British names in the men's doubles. Um, My personal favourite, Freddie Nilsson, is back in action, playing with Robin Harser. Um, So I'm going to intend to watch him play. Um, We've got Matej Pavic playing with Bruno Suarez in their new partnership. They're the fourth seeds. Cabal and Farah, as I said, Eastbourne champions, the second seeds. Bob and Mike Bryan, the seventh seeds. Uh, Mike Bryan actually won this tournament with Jack Sock last year. So now he's back with his brother. We'll see what they can do. And then we've got Kubot and Mello as the first season. They're the champions from two years ago. So uh, lots to play for in the men's doubles. Um, as for the women's doubles, again, we've got quite a lot of Brits in action. We've got uh, Nake the Baines and Naomi Brody playing together. Um, Eden Silver and Sarah Gray. Harriet Dark, Katie Dunn, Freya Christie, and Katie Swan, and Heather Watson's playing with Mandy Minella. So lots of British girls to cheer on in the doubles. And as for me, for the int- sort of the most interesting and intriguing women's doubles pairs, um, I think you know Azarenka and Barty definitely uh, spring to mind. They're the 10th seeds, and it will be really interesting to see how Ash Barty, you know, fares. Now she's the world number one in singles. How she how she's going to fare you know, with that pressure and then she's also got the doubles to play for. But, you know, I think she seems like really cool, calm and collected. So I think she's going to be all right. Um Bethany Matic-Sands is playing with Danielle Collins. We've got Maria Sakari and Tom Lanovic. Sophia Kennan's playing with Petkovic. Uh, Elise Mertens and Arena Sabalenka. So, again, top, top singles na- uh, names appearing in the doubles draw. So if you are attending Wimbledon then and you want to see these players, but maybe, you know, you're not getting onto the show courts, to see the top names, then doubles, you know, if there's some of them playing in the doubles, it's a great way of getting to see them up close and live. And I mean, doubles is so much fun. I tend to mostly watch doubles when I'm on a grounds pass at a slam because I just find it kind of more peaceful. It's easier to get onto the court and often I find it more entertaining. Um, but yeah, we've got the defending champions, Sinyakova and Krachitskova, the Czech pairing. They're the second seeds. And we've got the recent Roland Garros champions, Babosh and Mladenovic as the first seeds. So, so, um, again, ladies' doubles, all to play for. Um, so let's just have a look at what happened elsewhere this week. I mean, Wimbledon, Wimbledon is, you know, well on its way. I don't really want to make predictions. I'm useless at predictions. Um, I think at the start of the year, I predicted Del Potro and Serena Williams. I don't predict either of those players. I'm going to predict probably Novak Djokovic against Federer in the final with, I would say Djokovic winning just because he seems to, to mostly beat Federer. And then for the women, well, I mean, I, I'm going to go for, oh, I mean, it could be anyone. I'm going to go for Kerber to defend her title if I had to pick a name. Um, I think she's peaking kind of getting into form at the right time. Um, and then, well, for the final on the other side of the draw, let's go for, uh, I don't know. Might as well pick it out of a hat. No, let's go for Pliskova. Perhaps. I mean, interestingly, Pliskova Kerber is the Eastbourne final, and it could very well be the Wimbledon final two Saturdays uh, later. So we will see. We will see. Um, let's have a look at the results from the rest of this week. So you know, we had Wimbledon qualifying happening at Roehampton uh, in preparation for the Grand Slam. And our British players, well, sadly, we had no qualifiers. So there were only three Brits left after round one. So we only had Liam Brody and Samantha Murray making it to the final round of qualifying. So a lot of Brits fell by the wayside. Um, Liam Brody lost in five sets. So it was a very close one. He was two sets up. So a bit gutting for Liam um, in that one. Um, but let's have a look at the Eastbourne. So Eastbourne, we had, uh, as I just said, it's going to be a final between Kerber, um, and Pliskova tomorrow. Uh, Plishkova defeated Kiki Burton's quite convincingly. I think she only lost three games and Kerber had a walkover against Yabur. Um, but Kerber this week has beaten Simona Halep. She's looking very good. Um, on Zybor, though, uh, As I said, she faces Kavita in Wimbledon, but, you know, perhaps one to watch. I mean, not many people know about her, but she beat Joe Conta this week and also Elise Cornet. So um, I I certainly wasn't expecting Conta to lose to her. I thought she could go quite deep into Eastbourne and maybe reach the final, but um, it was not to be. Um, we had some great matches as well in Eastbourne. So we had Sabalenka Wozniaki. That was a real roller coaster. Sabalenka went uh, five love down in about 15 minutes and then came back and won in a last set tie break. Um, we also had uh, Yelena Ostapenko beating Sloane Stevens in the second round. Um, so again, you know, she's in a bit of, you know, decent form going into Wimbledon. And then on the men's side, uh, just a quick summary, really. We have a final... With Sam Query and he will play either Taylor Fritz or Kyle Edmund. So Kyle Edmund beat Dan Evans in three sets in the quarter. So it was nice to see two British players in a quarterfinal of an ATP tournament, knowing that we we definitely have one in the semi final. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed Kyle can can go all the way. Um, but uh, we also have that's an ATP 250 tournament. Um, we also have Antalya, which is a 250. And we've got uh, Kekmanovic of Serbia in the final. He beats Jordan Thompson in three tight sets. And they, well, he's going to play either Pablo Carreno Busta or Lorenzo Sinego. Um, so interestingly, Pablo Carreno Busta in this tournament recorded his first win on grass. And Lorenzo Cinego, um, I think, is also into the semifinals of a grass court tournament for the first time. Um, I'm just going to have a look at the score to see to see what's going on with that one because they're playing actually as I'm recording this. So it's a set to senego and five all in the second. So that could go either way. Um, personally, I think it's quite random to have an ATP tournament in Turkey the week before Wimbledon. Um, I know we have tournaments uh, the week before, well, not the week before, but two weeks before in like Mallorca and Holland. But I don't know, I, I just think it's a bit sort of, Maybe further than you would maybe like from from London for for the for the players, but anyway, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, we've also uh, had some exhibitions. We've got the the usual exhibitions that take place before Wimbledon. So I'm not sure if anyone listening has had a chance to go to any of those events. I've actually never made it, but I wouldn't mind checking them out one day. So we had the Boodles uh, exhibition at Stoke Park, and we've had Shapovalov playing that one with Djokovic. Sitzapash, Schwartzmann, so some really good names. Nice day out for everyone. Uh Shapovalov actually beat Novak, but I'm sure you can't read too much into an exhibition. Um and then we also had at the Hurlingham Club, um, we had Rafa playing. He lost to Chilich in his in his exhibition match. We had FAA, Dominic Team, and Kevin Anders. So again, not a bad lineup. And um, we also had Bjorn Borg's 15-year-old son Leo playing. Uh, in a junior match uh, at Hurlingham. And he interestingly has a wild card into the juniors at Wimbledon. I think his junior ranking is around 300 and something. So um, that would be quite interesting. I'm sure there'll be some Bjorn Borg uh, diehard fans going to have a look at his son, Leo, and seeing what he uh, he gets up to. But perhaps a future name to watch Um so Brits on tour. Uh we usually do a Brits on tour section, which I think have basically covered for most of the Brits this week. As I said, Joe Conter was beaten in uh in the third round at Eastbourne by Ons Bore. I mean, it's hard to see what Joe. She's the nineteenth seed at Wimbledon. I think she's got an all right draw. Um, but you know, she has maybe had some disappointing results. Round two Birmingham, round three Eastbourne. I'm sure she would much rather have, have done gone you know gone further in those tournaments so especially after the semi at Roland Garris but it might be better you know it should be fresher for, for Wimbledon so uh and then obviously Kyle is in the semis at Eastbourne so there are kind of two standout Brits uh really I suppose um but Andy Murray just the note on Andy Murray we mentioned that he's playing with Pierre hugues Herbert at Wimbledon but he didn't have the greatest of weeks in the doubles at Eastbourne as I'm sure many of you know he lost to Uh, Cabal and Farah in the first round with his partner, Marcelo Mello. So, you know, that magical week at Queen's with Feliciano Lopez, I mean, it it wasn't likely to continue. I know he's, you know, I'm sure Andy Murray wasn't expecting to sweep every doubles title going, but a bit of a shame that his brief partnership with Mello ended in defeat so quickly. Uh, But we'll see what he'll be doing with PHH at Wimbledon. Uh, Personally, I would love him to play with Feli again. That would be great. Uh, maybe they can get back together at some point. But um, yeah, so Andy Murray had a, a short-lived adventure down on the South Coast in the doubles. So let's move on to scoreboard story. So in Joel's absence, um, I have found a little scoreboard story. He normally is in charge of digging into the depths of tennis, Twitter and uh obscure ITF tournaments for these sort of dramatic score lines and statistics but in Joel's absence I've uh, I've I've taken one from Chris Goldsmith off Twitter uh, so a big shout out to Chris for for spotting this and pointing it out but it's because it, it drew my attention because uh, this person has featured on scoreboard stories before um and she's back she is back uh Indy DeVroom um, I think I said before on the podcast that she's got a great name, DeVroom, love that. And she actually hit uh, a record twenty-three double faults in her match uh against Michaela Bayalova. And that was in a Netherlands ITF event, and I think her opponent hit twelve and Indy DeVroom hit almost double that. So in honor of Indy DeVroom's kind of um I don't know, a failure to, to serve well. I mean, I don't know what her serve is actually like. I mean, I assume she's hitting so many double faults because she's just really going for it all the time. But uh, if, anyone, if anyone actually ever sees her play live, I would love to see her service action and um, get maybe a bit of an analysis on her serve as to why she is hitting so many double faults. But um, that kind of amused me because, um, as I said, we featured her before. So <laughs> we'll see if she features for a third time, perhaps. Maybe she can be my mysterious player at some point in the future uh, for our new segment that we're featuring on the pod. And anyway, um, onto to the last bit of the podcast, uh, before I pack up and go off to the UK uh, to join the queue, um, is the wildcard section where we kind of just discuss bits and bobs from the world of tennis. And, you know, everything's kind of focusing on Wimbledon right now. Um, so just, just a short number of things, really. We've got the ATP Player Council meeting. Actually, they are meeting today at Wimbledon um, as I'm recording this. So, you know, they're going to be meeting to kind of discuss what's going on, if what can be changed. You know, we had quite recently uh, a post that came out on social media by basil and he was going on about the revenue on the tour and how the players, you know, just get such a low percentage of the revenue from the Grand Slams. I think it's something like fourteen percent. And, you know, in comparison to a lot of other top sports, you know, the players get a much higher percentage of the revenue. And, you know, he doesn't think that's at all fair. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of of drama, well, not drama, I would say a lot of controversy and discussion about you know, I guess the trickle down of the money to the lower ranked players, the players on the challenger tour, you know, Federer came out and said in Halle that, you know, the challenger tour needs to have more money allocated to it. I mean, people have such, you know, large expenses traveling around the world. They've got to, you know, travel, pay for coaches, physios, et cetera. It's, it's not cheap and there needs to be, you know, a higher distribution of the uh, revenue and, you know, the players are sort of saying that the tournaments are just taking too much of it. So anyway, I digress. That is happening today. Uh, Surprise so money is going to be quite high um, on the list of what they'll be discussing. So we'll see what the kind of media analysis or the communication is after that uh, meeting. See what comes out, um, especially in the run up to Wimbledon. It'll be quite interesting to see. And then the other main bit of news, I suppose, uh, is regarding the Fed Cup. Um, So we've got changes to the Fed Cup. They're kind of going the way of the Davis Cup by having this like massive, massive tournament um, in, you know, one time of the year rather than it being spread across the year with different ties. So the ITF, I think it was yesterday, announced that Budapest would be hosting the Fed Cup finals for the next three years. So from 2020 to 2022, and basically that will be held in April. There'll be 12 nations and it will be across, I think about six days. Um, So what will happen is in February, there'll be a playoff round and the 12, sorry, the eight teams that make it through from the playoffs will join four teams um, who are sort of already in the finals uh, and that will be in April. So, for example, the finalists who will already be there will be this year's finalists: Australia and France, the hosts, Hungary, and also um, a wild card nation. So, there's going to be an eighteen million dollar prize fund. Uh, Twelve million of that is going to go to the players, and the other six billion will go to their sort of national sporting associations. Um, being a bit of controversy, Simona Halep has come out and said, "Oh, she doesn't like it. She's not going to play it anymore." um i mean for me i think budapest is a fantastic city to host an event i think it's it's a good you know affordable city break lots to see and do outside of the tennis great food so i think you know i wouldn't mind going to it actually i've never been to a fed cup tie to have them all happening in one foul swoop actually really appeals to me um and then great britain i mean you know we we managed to to beat kazakhstan and sort of secure promotion to the World Group back in um, April at the Copper Box. But now, you know, we're going to basically be back in a qualifying tie in February uh, because of the changes. So it's it's interesting. And and also, you know, just a note about the timing of, of the Fed Cup. It's it's going to be in April. So because of the time of the season, it's going to be held on clay. So I'm sure clay quarters out there will be quite happy about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, personally, I think this is quite exciting. Um, but I know a lot of people will be sort of up in arms about it. So tell us what you think. What do you think? Do you think it's a good move for the Fed Cup? Does it make you more likely to kind of want to go and see it? Um, Or do you kind of think it should, you know, be staying as it is? Let us know what you think. Uh So we're drawing to an end now um, of the Wimbledon preview. Um, A bit of gossip, if you like. Uh We reported a few weeks ago, actually, after Roland Garros, that Gem's life, was no more. Uh, but Jem's death um, hasn't happened. They've been re, uh, resurrected, if you like. And uh, Gail Monfils posted uh, the other day. Um, so they, their account is back up. I think they just needed a bit of a break, as we all do from time to time. And they're back back in business. So, yeah, that's great. Great to see them back in action uh, in time for Wimbledon. So, yes, uh, nice positive news from that side of things. Well, anyway... I'm going to love you and leave you. Um, We actually, um, you know, if anyone's coming to Wimbledon, uh, please give us a shout out on Twitter because uh, we would love to kind of see you guys, say hello. Um, I'm intending to camp for the first uh, match that Rafa plays. I haven't seen him play at Wimbledon in, in a number of years, so I'm really hoping to get tickets for that. And then I'm going to try and do a few grounds past days as well so if anyone's in the queue um and would like to to say hello that would be lovely to hear from you all uh do let us know and uh we're also planning on doing daily catch-ups during the championships um might just be joel might just be me might be a bit of both so um don't worry they won't be too long you won't have to hear our voices too much but we uh we're just uh, planning to bring you more regular catch-ups and if anyone is uh queuing and wants something to listen to then we did release this week an episode with the senior groundsman of the All England Lawn Tennis Club, and that's Will Brierley. So he runs the AELTC groundsman Twitter account. And we had a chat with him a couple of weeks back about how he prepares the courts, what they do all year round, uh, what they do during the tournament, the biggest challenges they face, the, f- the future as well of of Wimbledon, um, so it's a very interesting podcast. You'll learn a lot about grass courts, and you can maybe impress some of your tennis friends when you go along to the tournament um, with your newfound knowledge. I know Joel is planning on on now growing his own grass court in his garden. So uh, as a result of what we learned, but anyway, that's it from me. Um, do um, do give us a shout if you're going to be at Wimbledon. I'm really excited. I uh, haven't been to a Grand Slam in over a year. So live tennis is is the business. I'm really excited. And I hope you can all join us for the first of our catch-up pods during the championships. And uh, until then, thank you for listening and goodbye. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our show. We're supported by every one of our fans in the Passing Shot community. If you want to become one of them and get the latest updates from your tennis catch-up service, then all you need to do is follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, at Pod. And if you like what you hear, then why not tell your friends or leave us a rating and subscribe. Thanks for listening.